Hi, my name is Rutendo Nyamuda, and welcome to another exciting, phenomenal episode of In My Twenties. In my twenties. I'm so excited to get stuck into today's conversation with our guest. On today's show, we'll be chatting about all things fashion. We'll be talking about the fashion revolution. We'll be talking about fashion innovation. And that's all things from 3D design to fashion in the gaming industry. So welcoming herself onto the In My Twenties podcast and into the In My Twenties family, here she is. My name is Mutukwe Lauren Toba. I am 27. I write about fashion and beauty and culture and their relationship to each other, but also um, kind of content for fashion brands and beauty brands um, looking to connect and create community. Um, Yeah, I studied fashion design at CPUT and kind of, I wouldn't say fell into media, but took a peek. Uh, and never really left. (laughs) Now on every episode of the In My Twenties podcast, our guests always come through with these incredible mind moments or gem moments. And this is just one of them. Fashion is worthy of space, worthy of like critical engagement. Um, Fashion is science. If you look at it from the perspective of textile development, fashion is art. Um, If you look at it from the perspective of couture and um, kind of the visions that it creates in in media. Uh, Fashion is craft. When you look at what it takes to really make something special um, in a world of, gosh, not very special things. (laughs) Um, Fashion has overwhelmed itself now with, I think, what is really mediocre practice. Um, And so it's made the special more special, I guess. The In My Twenties podcast is split up into three sections. In the first section, we get to hear more about Modupe's career journey. In the second section, we dive into today's topic, which is all about fashion. And finally, rounding up all three sections is a conversation on the all-consuming Twenties journey. Let's get straight into it. I mean... Fantastic. And you know what? Actually, to start off with, I'm not even going to lie. Your Instagram stories are legit. It's like, but they're also very intellectual. It's not like you're not just running your mouth for the sake of running your mouth. But when I read your Instagram stories, I feel like I'm educated now. Like, I feel like, oh, like, I feel like I had a discussion with you. That's why they're so good. Yeah, I, I hope it. I hope it feels like that. I, I basically just... um have always enjoyed sharing my curiosities, sharing the things that I'm interested in and following. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love what it's become. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. And I, I want to start, um, well, not really start, but I want to tackle a little bit about your career history. In my opinion, mm-hmm. you are definitely one of the most successful writers um, of our time and of our generation right now when it comes to fashion. Um, you've spoken about, you know, being a feature writer, content writer, you've written cover stories for the likes of GQ. You have done so much. My first and only one. Many more to come. Many, many more to come. You know what I mean? Fingers because crossed. International. I so. <laughs> but there is, there is just such a beautiful um, place where you are in uh, in your career and where you are. And there are a lot of people I know, like if I was 
younger, for example, and I wanted to be in the writing industry, you would be the person who I'd be like, oh my word, that's what I want to do. That's where I want to go. So tell me what has been the journey? How did you get to where you are? Where did you start? What is the journey? That is really kind of you to say. Um, (laughs) And so kind of interesting that you've put it that way, because the journey for me was very much... um, reverse engineering other people's success (laughs) Um, because I studied design I studied fashion design and like we won't go into the whole details of that because I feel like that's an episode on its own Um, but it can make you feel uh, when you're when you feel like you're in the right space but maybe doing the wrong thing or doing the right thing but in the wrong space there's a disconnect that you can't always identify like while you're in it. I can identify it now looking back at my first year in 2011. Um, wow, first year was 10 years ago. I'm old. <laughs> um, at 27, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I something, something about fashion design at the time wasn't fitting. Um, and I was also really frustrated with like the way that you have to evaluate uh it as something to study because when you study let's say I don't know mathematics there's always going to be a right answer like one plus one is always going to equal two Um, but fashion is so subjective Um, but it kind of took uh, going to fashion week and interning at fashion week uh, to open my eyes to different roles that I could fit into and to make me realize that what I wanted was ne- was not necessarily to be a designer, but to be in this industry and to be an African in Africa in this industry mm-hmm. at the time that I am in. Yeah, so I, I read a lot of work that I thought was really beautiful in how it intellectually and critically approached the relationship between fashion and, cu- fashion and culture and how we all fit into that. Um, And I would read it and try to understand what about it was working and how I could do the same thing in my work. Yeah. And then then what did I do? (laughs) And and kind of just kind of maybe a flash forward to now is what is the space you're in? Um, Because I know you're working for yourself and also in a time where we're in the middle of, you know, the pandemic and we've just in hindsight a lot of publications have closed, a lot of fashion, um, even online digital platforms have downsized, publications have closed, but you're still within it and you're still, um, you know, you're still charting along. So what are you currently working on? What are you currently doing? Um, I'm finding myself kind of in a place where I'm looking back at the work that I've done and I'm seeing everything I've gained for it in terms of skills and experience. Uh, and I'm also seeing myself dancing around a particular opportunity uh, to do something, not necessarily that I own, but to do something more individual, but that speaks so much more directly to African designers and the challenges that they have uh, being business owners in South Africa, because that's the conversation we hardly have here. Definitely, definitely. On on that point, I actually kind of want to kind of 
zoom in a little bit more on today's discussion, which is, you know, the evolution and the revolution within the fashion industry. Um, and you've mentioned this a few times, and that is culture. Um, you're born in, uh, you're of Nigerian descent, living in South Africa, um, and your views, obviously, of fashion, of the industry, of what you see and what you want to, you know, kind of portray and put out there, even through, you know, the, the business that you want to start yourself, must be very interesting. Like the lens that you view the world is very different to the way a lot of people who haven't had your, who aren't you, who don't have your background and also don't have your global perspective on things, view fashion. So what are your personal views and per perceptions of the fashion industry um, from your context as a Nigerian in South Africa, but with a global view? Mm, um, so the center of my like view or my point of view on fashion is that globally it has issues as an industry like any like any industry does mm -hmm. um but specifically the problems that fashion has globally i really do believe that africa is positioned to solve to solve a lot of them um and that comes from yes my background my upbringing but it also comes from what i know we have in common not just kind of what separates me or separates africa from the rest of the world um i think you'll find that there are a lot of third culture kids <laughs> working in fashion where um Ooh. pause on pause on that third culture what do you mean by third culture that's an interesting so yeah it <laughs> It's a term that kind of encapsulates a lot of what the children of immigrants feel growing up and identify as and identify with. Um, most third culture kids are multilingual. I'm not. Um, most also, though, share kind of a distributed identity. So... That all kind of informs my perspective on fashion, on believing that Africa can solve problems, mm. um, on believing that fashion is something of merit as well, which I think is, gosh, all, all of us who work in fashion are always trying to make this argument, um, but I feel like it needs to be made in a different way, just showing that fashion is worthy of space, worthy of like critical engagement, um, fashion is science. If you look at it from the perspective of textile development, fashion is art. Mm -hmm. um, if you look at it from the perspective of couture and um, kind of the visions that it creates in, in media, uh, fashion is craft. When you look at what it takes to really make something special um, in a world of, gosh, not very special things, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Fashion has overwhelmed itself now with, I think, what is really mediocre practice. Um, and so it's made the special more special, yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's at least done that. It's very interesting, um, your perceptions or like when you mentioned third culture kids. Um, mm -hmm. Very interesting because I like immediately like inside, I was like, oh, my word, I'm a word. That's me. And sometimes it's so difficult <laughs> to define and say, oh, this is actually... Yeah. 
um, who I am. But when you hear it articulated, it's like, okay, that's it. Because a lot of the time you do feel lost growing up or you do feel like you're going mm. through this identity thing. And it's not just a black or white thing. It's a culture yeah. thing. Um, but within yeah. that... And I, I, had, I had the same feeling when I heard the term for the first time. Um, it just kind of almost is relief <laughs> in terms of like you you start to almost let out a breath that you didn't know you were holding yeah yeah and and the way it really links i think really nicely as well is in the same vein that they're third culture kids i feel like if i can't even throw it out there even in our work environments there's this third mm -hmm. i want to say third culture work environment that we're living through because it's no longer black and white you are no longer just a doctor mm -hmm. just a lawyer just someone in media if you're a doctor you probably have a side hustle as a youtuber if you're a youtuber you probably have this other like business side to you if you are working mm -hmm. for someone you're probably running a side gig we are we've merged all of these um, industries together. And yes, I might yeah. not be a lawyer myself, but because I run my own company, I have to know things about contracts and legal and IP. And so that for me is also just the sense of sometimes feeling lost because it's like, yes, I'll tell you I'm this, but I do so many other things. Do you feel that in the same vein? I don't know. I've always been somebody with multiple like curiosities and interests and Chasing all of them down feels very natural to me. It feels overwhelming. It overwhelms me all the time. Um, it has forced me to kind of uh, start to bunch them together and think about how I'm going to tackle them one at a time. Like I'm, I'm thinking about what can really make a, an impact for the rest of my career in fashion. But I'm also thinking about, okay, if I reach that in 10 years, what do I want to do next? Um, and am I going to bring in a new... Um, like bubble or grouping of my interests and make that a new career focus. Let let some things just bring you joy. Mm. Yeah. Let not not everything needs to be that in order to be valid. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. I think for some of us, like for me to do that, for me to I don't know whether it was be to start a website or a newsletter or whatever around that, mm. um, I would need for it to have some sort of like return on investment, even if that didn't turn into a business, um, for it to be satisfying for me. Mm. Whereas something like music, which I've always been interested in, I've I've written songs since I was 12 years old. I've written decent songs Yay. since I was 17. Release the album. <laughs> um, I love to sing. I have sung all my life. Music, I don't think is something I could... Um, I guess there there is a way, sure, if I wanted to, mm -hmm. but it's not something that I I feel an itch to turn into um, a career move. But you can you, you know? can you can. It's just it's just satisfying for this, me. This is the business idea. Maybe you can combine the music with fashion, and now you can sing. <laughs> the business of music fashion. There she is. Like, you you never know. Honestly, the formats that things are taking on right now. Mm. I look forward to your fashion album. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, there's something you said earlier on, and it's just stuck in my mind. Um, and you said it was beautifully phrased, like mm -hmm. fashion is art, fashion is maths, fashion is science, fashion is architecture. It's like this, it is almost borrows from all mm -hmm. these different 
industries and the way we see fashion. Um, and there's been a lot of incredible innovation within the fashion industry, which I would love for you mm. to speak more about. And one of the things is yes. with Hanifa's 3D design. And then also within the gaming industry, those are two... Mm -hmm. I mean, the 3D uh, fashion show is something, I mean, I, even when I saw the video, I was just like, oh, well, this is interesting. Now we don't, so they're yeah. not going to use models anymore. And then also in the gaming industry, I, yeah. it's just mind blowing. So can you provide context to both? And um, what are your opinions on those kind of two aspects? Okay, so uh, the first thing you're talking about is really kind of about digital clothing. So innovation is coming from everywhere. Innovation comes from everywhere in fashion. Um, but the most exciting and challenging space, I think, right now in terms of fashion innovation is that digital clothing. Um, so basically, on one end, it can be used for presentation, which is where the Hanifa um, example comes in. In May, she needed to put out her new collection um, and there were... I guess, restrictions on gatherings everywhere. And it was, on one hand, an exploration of what she could do with 3D software that she was using to design the clothes. Um, and on the other hand, it was a solution to um, maybe not being able to, buy, to hire models, maybe not being able to put on a show in the way that she would traditionally have been able to before. Um, so it was really about problem solving. What is providing as well is a new social frontier because we spend so much time in the virtual that dressing for it makes sense now and dressing for it matters now. And that's also where um, the aspect of gaming comes in, um, where you look at, for example, Animal Crossing. Uh, basically, it took over uh, while people were in lockdown and became a space where people socialized, visiting each other's islands, um, and then also became a space where people dressed up and uh, engaged with fashion. And people are purchasing it. People, people are purchasing it, yeah. Um, and using it on their avatars and playing it in the game and putting on fashion shows. Um, brands have gotten in on it and have started to put on events inside Animal Crossing. Netta Porter and uh, Isabel Moran put one on recently. Um, and so that's become a whole new frontier where it is not the exchange of this world for that one. Um, it is a parallel world that's now growing and is starting to take on, we're almost personifying gaming where it's starting to take on um, the way that we engage with clothing here um, as as a practice and as a, a culture, I guess, in the digital realm. Um, and I have one last question on the fashion uh, kind of section of this before we dive into your 20s journey, which I'm so excited to get into as well. Um, but one term that we've heard a lot in the last couple of years, and more so I would say for me anyway, um, maybe in the last three years, um, just from my perspective, is this concept of the fashion revolution. And people have been talking about it, punting it. Um, do you feel that fashion is going through a revolution? Do you believe that there is a revolution? What are your thoughts on that? 
Mm. Uh, so I think the term has like picked up as much as it has, um, not just because of changes happening in the industry, but because there's actually an organization called Fashion Revolution um, that's really focused on pushing sustainability measures throughout the industry. Um, in terms of whether or not fashion is experiencing a revolution, I would say fashion is not experiencing a revolution as much as it is resisting one. Uh, I'd say that a lot of movements, especially around sustainability, um, are gaining ground and they're influencing culture. And as they influence culture, they start to influence how fashion markets itself, how fashion communicates with the rest of the world. Beyond that marketing and beyond that communication, change has been incredibly slow. Yeah. If, if there's anything I think that this uh, global pandemic has kind of put on almost every single industry um, is that, I mean, we've always known that change is inevitable. And we've always known that, you know, you, one cannot be stagnant. I think that this period for many industries just sped it up so much quicker and made us think and innovate yeah. so much faster because mm -hmm. we need to be sustainable. There needs to be longevity in the plans. We can't just be thinking about what is the quick fix solution for tomorrow. It's okay, what is the quick fix? Not a quick fix, but what is the solution for five years time, for 10 years time, for our kids' generation, for yeah. generations, even after that? And what role and do that's that focus. That's that focus on adaptability and resilience. I think let us let's switch gears into the 20s journey because I am um, it's it's in all honesty, it's the reason I created this podcast just getting into people's lives because it's very personal and it's like mm -hmm. what is this uh what it 50 odd episodes in and there is no one 20s journey no one quarter life crisis that has been the same and yeah. that is testament to the fact that we are all original unique authentic people so give me a summary of your 20s journey how has it been my 20s have been a jungle gym I'd say um, there was an issue of L South Africa, like years and years and years ago that came with, I think it was like focused on women in work or something like that. And it had this little badge that came with it. And I don't know if I still have that lying around here somewhere, but it said, your career is not a ladder. It's a jungle gym. And I thought, wow, yes, that's true of my career, but wow, that's also been true of my life mm -hmm. <laughs> um, outside of it. Um, which I'd say my 20s have very much been focused on my career. Um, but I've also just like grown as, as a person and as an individual in the ways that matter to me. Um, but also you just, you just realize a lot of things about yourself. Um, you feel like you're developing who you are and living who you are in your 20s when the reality is, as you go through them, you realize you are learning who you are. Mm -hmm. um, it's been so much learning for me. Um, I, <laughs> I always feel bad that I'm a writer who doesn't journal. I don't journal daily. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes just reflecting on life, being introspective, I will realize something and that will be something that I record. Wow. Like a lesson that I've had or... Um, just, I don't know, admitting to myself something that I want or admitting to myself something that I don't want anymore, even if I have 
put a lot of time and effort into like trying to get toward that thing because that's a difficult thing to admit to yourself yeah. after you've put a lot of work into trying to get to a place or do a thing yeah. um, it's difficult to realize that you're closing in on it and actually it's it's not what you want um so my 20s has been a lot of that yeah sure yeah it's it's very 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 interesting and very insightful um the journaling thing is quite interesting because i even feel as a writer you're kind of in the space where you're always writing but your writing is based on um what's happening in your industry so yes you're mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're you form your opinions and your personal opinions but they're based on what's happening externally when you're journaling and this is where i've always found a different d- d- different is you are the subject it's you yeah and and now you have to try and there are no facts there are no statistics that you can go and read up about yourself it's you and having that and that's why it's so hard mirror <laughs> moment to be like actually this is why what i believe this is what i think um can yeah. be eye-opening for people but scary when you're in a phase where you're still trying to figure out who you are because it might change in yeah. january you wrote one thing and then in november you're like oh actually <laughs> that's not me right now so it's, yeah and the the realization of that change or the realization that oh this isn't me um very often comes before you acting on yeah. that realization and so you live in that tension for quite a while, actually, in your 20s, in different versions, in different rounds of that tension mm-hmm. of knowing that you are one thing and still living like you are what you thought you were, you know. Um, and a lot of your 20s is is just the tension between those two things. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I also, though, like now that you're saying it, I'm, I'm realizing that in terms of like that growth and trying to learn who you are, get to know yourself. I I was always trying to do that work in pursuit of being comfortable with myself, being completely comfortable with myself. Um, and as a result of being comfortable with myself, being 100% me in any space, that was like a lot. That was the goal for a lot of my personal development that I like tried to, that I intentionally went after in my twenties. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that I've been so intentional about all of that up until this point, because I feel like I've learned and grown so much through it. Um, I've also realized that the work is just never done. (laughs) Um, you, I think it was at 24 where I really felt like, Oh wow, I've, I've done all of this work. I really, I know myself. Um, I feel so much sure I can really, oh yeah, I've, I've ticked the boxes. Yeah. I can just yeah. focus on living now, yeah. which is such a lie. <laughs> um, I guess, not, not that I was trying to lie to myself, but I guess that's just uh, the naivety of it. Mm. Um, but but I, I, yeah. I was going to say 24 is so close to, it's very interesting that it happened because, you know, once quarter life crisis usually happens at 25 and, um, and I completely hear you like, okay, fine. I did have an early quarter life crisis, but my early twenties, I was like, I'm working, but you're fresh out of varsity. So that's the excitement. I'm working. I'm here. I'm doing this. Why are people complaining? This is the life. And then boom, you're like, actually wait. Um, and on, and on that point, like, have you experienced uh, a quarter life crisis um and if you have what what was it 
Um, my quarter life crisis. Now I can boil it down, having having looked at this uh, from the perspective I'm looking at it. Having looked at this in retrospect, let's see. I'm 27 now, and it's 2020. Um, in 2018, I was 25, and that was the. I'd say it was when things hit boiling point. Things probably started around early 2017 and hit boiling point, like mid-2018. Uh, mm. um, I just started to feel uncomfortable in my life. It just started to feel like a shell that didn't fit. Yeah, a lot of my life at that point had been shaped by passive acceptance and not by active choice. And so I was finding now a lot of the things that I had passively accepted were fine when I was 20, 21, 22, 23. They weren't fine anymore, not for who I was becoming and not for who I wanted to be. And so it started with kind of like uh, my, my crisis, I guess, started with, uh, I don't know, an isolation of feeling like I wasn't really connecting to people the way other people were it went into a dissatisfaction with the shape of my life mm -hmm. and then into a massive change of the shape of my life. And then a realization of, oh, I've changed the shape of my life, but A, B, C, these things haven't changed. I think at some point I decided the life I want to live is not the life I get to live unless it's the one I'm brave enough to choose. Many thanks to our guest for an incredible discussion today. And thank you all for tuning in to the In My Twenties podcast. Please don't forget to like, share and subscribe. And while you're here, leave a note and let us know what you thought about today's discussion. The In My Twenties podcast is a production of Teensway Media. For more information, visit www.teenswaymedia.com.